A Sydney surfer is on track to make history this morning. In just minutes, he will complete the longest ever surfing session in the world. What was the previous record? 30 hours, 11 minutes. I didn't sleep for 40 hours before I paddled out. Blake Johnston started in the dark, breaking only for some sun protection and sustenance. I went through nearly every emotion during that surf. What, what are you made of here, you know? It's a lot on the body. I was like seven hours in and I was already cooked. What was your inner voice telling you when it was really tough? Man, this is, this is hard work. I went to a pretty crazy place with it. Surf for 40 hours and seven minutes. Bloody hell. <laughs> The longest surf session ever in the world. I was elated and excited at that point. Blake has just broken that world record. A new world record in front of a perfect Cronulla sunrise. Why is that cause so important to you? My dad took his life 10 years ago. He lost his dad 10 years ago to mental health. And that's been something really challenging obviously for not just as our dad it was we lost a mate a physical and mental challenge in honor of his late father mental health is it's constant we gotta keep checking in on the friends around us but firstly and foremostly checking in on yourself welcome to the thought follower i'm joe mckay i've always had a lot of questions about life and this show is my quest to find some answers each week, I'll chat to a thought leader to hear what's going on in their space. Let's jump into the next episode. My guest on the show today, he's the owner of Cronulla Surf Academy. He's a massive mental health advocate, founder of Grind to Thrive, and probably most crazily, he's world record holder, current record holder for the world's longest ever surf session. Blakey Johnston, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. How you going, buddy? Pretty good, mate. Thank you so much for making the time. There's so much stuff I'd love to ask you about, but I want to start with the world record. You attempted the record on the 17th of March, one of your local waves in Cronulla. Yeah. Yeah. I was living in North Cronulla right next to the alley where you surfed it. And that whole weekend, my family and I would keep an eye on what you're up to. We were seeing how the conditions were. We were down there at the end on the sand when you came out of the water and what you did, it captivated the whole of Cronulla. Like it felt like everyone was there. Did you expect it to have that kind of impact? Look, I wanted it and I believed it was definitely possible. Thinking up the idea and doing my training reiterated me that if I apply myself with intention to things I want to achieve, that I can make them happen. And that was one of the biggest things I got from that world record. I've never really applied myself to intentionally visualizing this moment. And I run a lot and I run past the beach. I'm down there working every day and I'd consistently envision this huge crowd here. It felt like I was over-exaggerating, but what have I got to lose? This is bigger than me. This is more powerful than me. It's going to affect a lot of people. So when I got to some of these points, I was a surf when it was really hard. Yeah. I actually was in total acceptance. I was exactly where I was meant to be. It felt like I'd lived it before and it didn't matter how sore my eyes were to open, my shoulders, my neck. The heartburn, my feet from the wrinkles in the water and the heat from the day, that just didn't even play with my emotions at all. I was just totally going through the motions as connected as you could be with letting life happen and be as present as you could be. And it was just it was something that I've never experienced before. It's scary because it makes me think, what can a dad, small business owner, human like everyone else, can I do with intention and a goal and go for it? It's amazing, mate. How long did you surf for? So for 40 hours and seven minutes. 
And yeah. and what was the previous record? What was the time you had to beat? Thirty hours, eleven minutes. <laughs> so so you really went for it. What was the thinking in going for forty hours? Things like this, you need to have a little bit of arrogance on your side. And I consider myself a surfer. I do a lot of running and other things that help me be a better person. And I ran for 40 hours and I was injured. And when the idea of the world record came up, I just thought, if I can run for 40, I can be in my natural environment and smash out 40. I can do 40. And I just, I'd never let that go. And when I said it out loud, the accountability side of me and being authentic to my word was important through this whole process. So I stuck to it and I don't think anyone would have been too phased if I paddled out at 36, 37 hours, but I'd said that it's unwavering self-belief. That's not even a thought. It's just, you're there in that moment and accepting it as it comes through. It honestly felt like I'd been there before because of my dedication and foresight into why I was there. It's still trippy talking about it. I want to get it through to you guys that it's an amazing feeling and that we can all tap into this and it, it doesn't have to be a 40 hour surf or a hundred. 60k run or some of these settings I've set myself, everyone's got a different level of hard. Mm. And it's when we face those challenges, both physically and mentally, emotionally, we, and push through them, we're getting a step closer to being the best versions of ourselves. And that's where the lesson is. And that's why mm. hopefully it can resonate with lots of people saying me doing something so hard and in front of everyone and, and for a cause bigger than myself that just want everyone to realize how important they are and, and what they set out to do. And it does have impact. Yeah, hundred percent. It's had a massive and a lasting impact. You talked about the visualization and the processing that you did in advance. Have you always been like that or have you learned techniques along the way that helped you visualize and make sure you're going to get there? I would say no. Like I visualize, I used to be a competitive surfer, a pro surfer and I'd visualize, but I didn't have it with the same intention to actually think about it so often and make it the habit to think about it and then feel the emotions that are attached to it. And that just comes from practice. It just comes from reminding yourself of why you're training and what outcome you want and believing like it almost already happened. You felt what it's going to feel like. And that was something new to me. I'm always looking at ways to improve myself and become a mm. better person. And if I can feel as good as I do and achieve some of the things I have, we can all yeah. tap into it. And I've done some pretty cool adventures. I've lived a pretty hectic life. I've got a great lifestyle and everything, but those big moments, they're just moments. Our life is every day. It's day to day. And it's the way that we show up every day who ultimately creates who we are. Yeah. And it's finding consistency and showing vulnerability to try new things and introduce things in your life. So you can seek a little bit of progress in being a better version of yourself. I want to help people do that. I'm no expert in any of these fields, but I feel like I'm relatable and vulnerable enough for people to go, okay, I want to give it a crack. I can speak to that. So I mentioned like I was living in Cronulla and any number of times I would have walked along the beach and I've seen you up to your waist in water and you're pushing a kid onto a wave and I'll stop and watch sometimes and the kid will stand up and maybe catch one of his or her first ever waves. And you will celebrate that like it's your own son riding his first wave like every time. Where, where does that, yeah. that passion and that positivity come from? One of my favorite things is seeing people enjoying what I'm doing. I've always been empathetic and compassionate and my business allows for that too, where people are challenged when they come learn to surf. It's something new. They're taking a step in a positive direction. And that's what I think all this is. This is a byproduct of the world record of helping as many people as I can. And the world record has just proved to me that I can have an impact. As much as I care about people and do it, that if I live by example and share my experiences, I can make people live happier and healthier. And I've got a saying that, that I got for the world record and it was just, thanks everyone. Everyone deserves to feel awesome. 
Mm. I got to get back out there. And I was like, holy shit, I burst into tears. I was like, well, that's exactly how I feel. And it sounds pretty cheesy, but in the grand scheme of things, mental health is so important. And, And I believe that we all can work on ourselves a little bit better and find ways to feel better, find ways to get through difficulties. And even when things are going, but find ways to feel great and have that yeah. zest for life and continue to not sugarcoat it and say life's awesome. You should always yeah. be happy, but just to show you've got the tools, you've got resilience to bounce back and it can happen by implementing some simple, basic tools into our life. Some people have to be vulnerable to even try and accept that yeah. maybe it will help them. Hey, it's Joe here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Every chat in season one of The Thought Follower is very different. I've talked to creatives, economists, elite athletes, CEOs, venture capitalists, and a bunch more along the way. You never quite know what you're going to get. So make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Let's get back to the chat. I think there's a direct impact when you push that kid on the wave or you break the world record. But even for me, like the impact that you had on me as I walked past you working, in the morning going to work or coming home in the afternoon, yeah. potentially not in the best headspace about life or about work. And I would look over and, and I'd say there's a guy who has probably done this thousands of times <laughs> but is still enjoying it. All we're all doing is just on repeat to an extent over and over. But finding the joy in those little moments, that's actually had a genuine impact on me. I'm, I'm so fascinated with the record. How did you prepare for it? Well, I'm a pretty salty sea dog. I've I've (laughs) been in the water since I was three years old. And like I mentioned before, I was a pro surfer. I got to live an amazing life and travel and surf around there. I've just been exposed to it so much. And Mm. I think the conditioning wasn't just like train really hard and get fit enough to do this thing. It was sleep deprivation. There was the unknowns and I went to a pretty, pretty crazy place with it. The lead up to the world record, there was a lot of interviews. We'd raised 120 grand before I even paddled out. I had a lot of anxiety through that process because I wanted to get the message really clear. So I didn't feel mm. great. I was just I was asking my wife, am I saying the things right? Do I too sound too self-indulged? Is the message coming through? Like it's bigger than me, but it is a challenge, but, and I'm happy. Mm. It's for memory of my dad, but I want people to obviously know why I'm doing it. Show them they can do hard things if I can. And so yeah. when it got really close to the world record, I actually didn't sleep for 40 hours before I paddled out either. So I was really anxious leading up to it, the weeks into it when I was building momentum. Then a couple of days out when it all sort of backed off and I could focus on getting ready, the energy shifted and it was excitement getting the stickers on the boards, my boys asking me questions and checking the wave forecast every 20 minutes and seeing if it was going to drop off and do all this. I was really excited. So it wasn't like I was tossing and turning in bed. I was pumped that stress was now in a good place it was helping me focus on what i had to do i got to the start of the surf and i'd already been 40 hours awake and i still felt okay a thought that did occasionally come into my head i'm like wow you're really testing the human (laughs) human capabilities with sleep deprivation what are you made of here i went through nearly every emotion during that surf but i got through it i couldn't even stay awake for my wife through labor for our firstborn, which was probably <laughs> yeah. only about 20 hours. You mentioned it took you to some pretty deep, dark places when you were out there. What was your inner voice telling you when it was really tough? Look, this is where it was so powerful. For paddling out, it was still hadn't dropped off. It was still five foot closeouts at the alley, thousands of jellyfish, rips, and just not good shaped waves at the low tide that big and with an east swell. So... I was like, man, this is hard work. It's, the waves are pretty crappy right now. And it's really hard. And so I was frustrated with it. Not ex- turn, the conditions turning out like they read on the forecast. I did that many duck dives that I was like, what's going on? Are they counting the duck dives? I've got a world record for duck dives. It was just a big buildup of frustration at that point. And then 
the sun came up and I was seven hours in, I was already cooked, you know, I'd done nearly 400 duck dives. I'd ridden, you know, nearly 200 waves by that point and the surf was still four or five foot and it started to pump and it was really good. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, the surf's pumping. So I was elated and excited at that point too. I can surf. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was surfing. I knew I was going to see the end of it. There wasn't yeah. a super fixated plan other than get to the end. So if I got a good wave, I was going to surf it well. Sure. I was going to flick off to get the numbers. I was going to do it properly and do it as a surfer and do it the right way. That's amazing. I, I remember going out to grab a bite for lunch and just watching you for a few minutes. I was expecting you to be conserving energy, hanging in there, but you were definitely giving it some. What was the most unexpected part of the whole thing? Just how fatigued I would be so early on in it. Coming into that first day and already have done that much work. And I was like, wow, still got 30 hours to go. I've done 10 hours and I've still got to surf for the longest anyone's ever surfed. I mean, that was definitely a, a, a bit part of the challenge there too, as well. Yeah. I can only imagine. Talk to me about nutrition, going through it and how are you keeping yourself sustained? Yeah. So for the nutrition, we actually went and saw a dietitian to help us with the calorie intake. Hydration levels are really important. We did have a plan going into it, how often I would eat and how much I would eat. And then we adapted with it. We had certain foods like protein bars and fruit. And then as it got harder, they started feeding me things just to get my cars. I ended up getting sushi and acai and anything that wasn't on there just to keep my spirits high and yeah. something palatable too, because I just had the craziest swollen tongue and mouth and heartburn. It was just really hard to really want to smash my 15th cliff bar. I ate so much, man. I ate so much in that 40 hours. I was like, this is the most I've ever eaten. And rightly yeah, so. And yeah. without the support of my wife, my buddies, mm. the people down there that gave up their time to be there and be a part of it, I wouldn't have been sticking to that nutrition plan and eating enough and drinking enough because I was being so stubborn in knowing that I just had to get through the pain and the discomfort to get to the end that it was going to happen. But looking back and reflecting on what they did for me, I wouldn't have been able to do it without that communities. That's huge. I can have these big yeah. goals and dreams, but ultimately it's you that makes the decisions, but that community support is what carries you through the dark times, helps you feel connected and makes it a bigger reason than just your personal goal. Yeah. And you touched on that bigger reason. You were very public in raising funds for the Chumpy Pullen Foundation, which is all about mental health. Why is that cause so important to you? My dad took his life 10 years ago. And that's been something really challenging, obviously, for a tight, loving, caring family, hard-ass mm -hmm. working dad who we loved as a person, not just as our dad. We lost a mate. And through that whole grieving process, I've got four brothers, how they dealt with it, how my mum dealt with it. It just opened my eyes to how important it is and reflection of my life and what I've felt like throughout my life to want to make change and be happy and healthy. Yeah. can only imagine how tough that would be. What has that process been like? I feel like now you've achieved this kind of thing. You've, you've built that control around your mind and that inner voice and then the head noise that can happen. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of the message, right? Mental health, it's constant. We got to keep checking in on the friends around us, but firstly and foremostly checking in on yourself, asking yourself the right questions and having routines and tools that help you do that. Like breath work, cold exposure, meditation, mindfulness, being out in nature is the way you do have that space to be able to ask yourself those questions. And mm -hmm. I think that's, what's really, really important and just needs to be shared with people that have been through adversity and respect that they are just moments, just showing up 
and being yourself every day takes work. There's going to be low times and adversity happen no matter what in life, but be able to upkeep our well-being and what we're enough to know what we're doing and routines and practices we have got going on when things are good that make us feel good. It's just as important as when we're not feeling good. So I've got such a big lesson out of the world's on the surf is that acceptance point where I knew I was going to get to the end and I just kept saying to myself, you're exactly where you're meant to be. So anything that I'd been through in my life has shaped me who I am. And I'm just looking at those things that just seem so horrible, like my dad's passing and closing a business, business being a stressed parent when my babies were young and my wife wasn't working and all these things that build up that they're all lessons and they're all things that we can learn and grow from. And that doesn't just come with one thought that comes with work, like knowing how you feel constantly and assessing yourself and being aware of what you can do to help you get through those times and know that every time that you do that, you become a better person. Mm That's why setting goals and challenges in your life are useful. In those tough times when maybe your routines are a bit off or you haven't been able to make the space for the things that, that help you be better, what does Blakey's inner voice tell you? So it's, it's a double-edged sword for me, really, because I'm really active and then I need to mm-hmm. learn to how to recover and do what's best for my body. And I do these big challenges and I actually see sometime them being detrimental to my day-to-day and who I am as a person because there's a downside to that stuff, right? Where you smash your body and your mind's going through extremes of emotions. There is that part where you do have a bit of a dip and the things that you need to be doing, they seem harder and harder to get to. So for me, it's like, you got to have your rest, but what makes me, me is my daily routines, the little things like getting up at 4am and exercising before the sun comes up and being in the ocean before the sun comes up, connecting with the old boys for coffee in the morning. And I've ticked a bunch of positive mental health boxes right there before my family have even woken up. So these are things that made me evolve as a person and become more self-aware. And I see them as some of the most important things that I've ever learned. You put it really nicely there. Like sometimes the busier we get with it from chasing these crazy goals or just more day-to-day busyness of life. A lot of us will have an idea of what some of those things are for us that make us better. And it's things like trying to get out for a run and, and be present with the kids and have some me time, read a book, whatever it might be like, but it sometimes feel like the busier you get and the harder you work, you get further and further away from those things. It snowballs because you're starting to feel worse and more off kilter. And you go, well, I just need to get back to my routines. But they somehow seem to just get harder and harder yeah. to stick with. How do you yeah. approach that? I think you've got to be fluid with it as well, right? Be adaptable with your situation. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not the most organized, strict play by the rules framework operator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Far from it, actually. And I see that in a positive light. Mm. A lot of people don't do things in fear. They're not prepared right. And and they haven't done the work leading up to it as well. But the only way we know is by applying ourselves to it and giving it a crack and learning it's a step in the right direction to actually apply yourself to something that you want to do and not be frozen by ticking all the boxes as well. That's so true. Something that I've struggled with has been like, if it's running, I've got my Garmin watch on or whatever. It's been a while and I go, I've got to get out for a run. And you track it and you go, oh, I used to run 20% faster. Or even in th- doing a positive part of your routine, you can somehow play it back as a negative, but you're spot on. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just the intention you set out with it. We forget that this physical activity, the being out in nature, giving yourself time, are all important things to instill for our mental health. I might not be running my fastest pay today, but I'm out here with also that intention of giving myself the time back, creating that space mm. I need to be focused on my breathing, to be focused on my body and where I am in that moment. And that's a huge mm. benefit. 
reminding yourself of those things. So you are more aware of what good it is doing for you and your mental health. Yeah, hundred percent. Man, talk to me about grind to thrive. Over the last few years through my training and adventures and getting a little Instagram page going with a bunch of local lads from around here where we've got a WhatsApp yep. group and we connect and just when things line up, there might only be one or two go for a jog in the national park or a sup down the river or a surf, maybe social gathering that might happen. It's just happened real organically. Grind to Thrive is just what I've come through. You realize that mm. when getting uncomfortable and trying to become a better version along myself, it's just we grind physically, we can strive mentally. You know, and that doesn't have to be a hundred mile run or a 40 hour surf. Mm. It can be a challenge that you have ahead of you and just going head on into that challenge. And it's just the other side of that is a better version of you. There's lessons in all of it and you maybe learn mm. something new and go to a place that you haven't been before. And I think that's where the grind part comes from. You know, it's not necessarily being the best athlete or the fastest runner or the longest distance runner you can do. It's, it's willing to turn up and being accountable to it and and getting through those moments. So it's just like training for life. I love that. It's amazing. So I think I've seen online, I've had a bit of a stalk, but you do a lot of that with, with kind of young adults and teenagers. Is that right? Yeah. We do clamps and clinics and stuff with local high schools. Sort of my surf coaching is organically developed into. I always loved helping people mm. in the ocean and see the joy they get out of it. My goal is not, not just creating a better surfer, but be creating a better human and People that aren't surfers, we're introducing them to the ocean and getting them out there in, in an uncomfortable environment, showing vulnerability. And as a collective, it's like a holistic approach to it all. It's not just one activity that we do there that we're focused on. It's about the whole community connection and learning something new, being out in nature, using the ocean as a tool to, to unwind as well and the benefits that, that can create and and being with like-minded people. So it, they get introduced to breath work and ice baths help them build resilience and we have intention with everything that we do. They know what it feels like to push through the challenge of, of jumping in an ice bath, of learning something new in front of friends or strangers down the beach. And as a whole, I think it passes on a really good message to for their mental health and to be living the healthiest, happiest life they can. I really love how practical it sounds. And I've gone through that process of trying to learn to surf and it is a very pretty embarrassing unless you're somewhat of a natural, but there's so many resources out there of self-help and books and influences and all that kind of thing, but just getting into it. That's the bridge I think I want to be. There's so much information out there. You can overthink and overanalyze like most people do, but through lived experience, you'll get to a place like me and be encouraging your mates to come and do an ice bath with you. You'll be doing breath work and things you never thought that might've seemed too woo-woo once you experience them, you know that you can add these tools into your checklist. They're free, they're accessible and they're easily learning from the right person. I generally want people to live happy, healthy lives. And I want to be someone who introduces them to these things and gives them these experiences. You know, we're going to go down the South coast and you're like relieved of your social responsibilities, really. Like you can come down for the weekend without tension to have a fun weekend, venture therapy, really no kids, no work. And you're there for the, for self-development in a fun environment. And that's a really good way to introduce people to what's possible day to day and help them believe they can achieve their goals through a few honest chats and conversations that are really easy to have in the right environment. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's, it sounds amazing. Hey, it's me again. If you made it this far, I'm guessing you're enjoying the chat. Don't forget to give the thought follower a rating and share it with your friends. Otherwise, reach out to me on LinkedIn with any guest suggestions or feedback on the show. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get back to the episode. I wanted to ask you, because you've been a high-performance surf coach, you, you must have worked with thousands of kids over your career. What do you see in 
the current generation of youngsters. Like there's always a lot of anxiety and worry about technology and phones and all this kind of stuff. How do you see this generation coming through? Well, I've got my own kids, so I think about this subject a lot. And I think we've got such a a great generation or generations of parents that are just so loving and caring. You know what I mean? All my friends, all my community, there's just so many great people out there giving their kids the best lives, everything they could ever ask for. I do think often about their own mental resilience and toughness and the way that they're going to have to handle their own emotions and situations that arise throughout life and ways that we can help them do that. And I think teaching kids to become more self-aware through what we've spoken about with the breath work, with experiences away, being outdoors and just making them aware of their actions so they know that they can have some control and we need to help them. And that's why I keep saying that they're flooded with information. They're flooded with Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, everything, their friends texting, their parents telling them something over and then. So it's really important that we have them around the right people for the right messages. We see it on my camps where the kids come down and they're not listening, but after getting up earlier than they ever have and having a run and having breakfast together and get on surf and all, we don't want to go surf. They connect through that vulnerability that they show through being outdoors in nature by connecting as a community and we're showing that the support that they have for each other through the experience is so powerful. And that's what I want to provide, you know. So I heard, I think it was on another podcast and you mentioned your kids and breath work. You've got a really nice, is it a bedtime routine that you do with the kids around, around yeah. breath work and some gratitude? Yeah, definitely. What's the routine for all the parents listening? Oh, so it is just three G's we call it, but it's gone to more like seven and that's just <laughs> um the g stand for gratitude so for what you what are you grateful for that happened in your day today and just get them to explain a few things and put kind of guide them through it so they're not just focused on what happened to them so they're grateful that the smaller and the little things that they have around them as well they've got such a good life they get all the food the toys the experiences they want but appreciating and showing gratitude for the teacher they had at school that day for the friend that helped them with some work and just guiding them through it as well just so that they do realize how lucky and fortunate we are to have it so they can eventually one day live in a state of gratitude and not have to practice it so that they are happy and content with what they've got that's amazing and then I think, is it, you do seven deep breaths around that as well? Yeah, seven's, seven's my favorite number. That's why the three Gs is getting up to seven as they get older. But yeah, we just do we'll try and slow their breath down before they go to bed and teach them that as a tool to calm them down. And, you know, it's just about bringing awareness to it, the power that the breath does have with our emotions. And do so you think about when we when a kid hurts himself, we're like, all right, just breathe, slow your breath down and become more aware of it, of their breathing as well. I want them to be able to have that within themselves to be able to go, okay, I'm feeling calmer when I'm breathing slower and just bring more awareness to that more often. It's a seven second inhale and a seven second exhale, which, which is always the goal. I might let them go as long and as short as they feel in that day and just working into it and just not challenging them too much, but doing it with intention so that you can reflect on your day. And then what I do with them, which is really cool. I've introduced after the world record is like the power of manifesting and being in that space of what they want to achieve in their life. What will it feel like when you make the zone for the school? And I want you to breathe through your nose and imagine what your body will feel like. If you're really proud of yourself, that's going to be amazing. Got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So at dinner time, we've started a bit of that gratitude, like what was the best part of your day? And she loves to go around the family and ask everyone. So we're bringing some of that breath work and just that gratitude, I think is so important. Like you said, we've kind of got everything that we need, but 
we can easily lose sight of that fact. We often focus on what's missing or what we feel like is missing versus all the stuff we do have. So absolutely love that routine for parents. It sounds like a good one to get them nice and calm to go to bed, go to sleep as well. What would be your advice to someone who might be struggling from day to day sometimes with that inner voice, with losing that feeling of of feeling awesome? What's your advice to someone in that situation? It's acceptance through you're exactly where you're meant to be. And that's really easy to say when things are going good, but it's more important when you're not feeling good. It's when we feel stuck, like we're drowning and there's, or there's, there's no momentum when there's nothing moving forward. There's no gains. There's nothing that you're learning new that, that makes life exciting. So when you really have to show the vulnerability and be like, okay, and look for spaces of your life that can improve through that curiosity and through that progress that you'll make in any direction that it can be can be the spark to, to help you find what you need and find that life is fun and exciting and showing that curiosity will, can help you get through those times as well. How can we follow along with your journey? How can we support what you're up to? My business is evolving into more experiences where we do camps and retreats and workshops and stuff with local businesses and, and schools. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. And then with the money raised through the Chumpy Pullen Foundation, we're going to be offering these services to, you know, marginalized communities, people who did it that might not have access to it as well, subsidizing some foundations and helping them, you know, get the kids out and have these experiences. Have you got any crazy attempts or, or massive feats lined up? Anything in the works? Well, <laughs> I've got a, the In Pieces project. They're raising money for uh, destigmatized suicide in society just through conversation and people sharing and telling their stories and creating a safe space where people can go learn from other people's experiences. And I, you know, I did the world record earlier in the year and I feel like I can't just ask people for money because I'm getting this tattoo for this amazing cause. It's, uh, I've always had this idea to, to run home from Ulladulla to Cronulla. So I'm actually going to run barefoot from Ulladulla at my caravan down at Wairo and I'm going to run 220 Ks across the rivers and, and run back up to Cronulla. And undo that for the calls of, for in pieces, for Chumpy Pullen, show that when we're down and we're out, we're in pieces, but you know, as a community, we're, we're stronger together and we can help people through that just by having a, someone to share your experience with and talk you through and help you in the right direction. Is there any timings or should we stay tuned on your Insta to hear more? It's just going to be when it lines up with work and when I'm mentally ready yeah. for it and prove to people that they can do, do some really cool things. That's incredible, mate. Well, I'll make sure I drop the links to Grind to Thrive and your business there on the show notes. But thank you for so generously sharing your time. Blakey, thank you. Thank you again for your time. No worries. Cheers, Joe. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to support me or the show, best way is to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. And please get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Love to hear from you with any guest recommendations or feedback on the show. See you on the next one.